the responsibilities of husband and wife. It is something that we all naturally like to get injured. And many of us that are present over here, we may already be in that time of life where we are married. As, as a husband now or as, as a wife, we have our responsibilities. If a person does not fulfill his or her responsibilities, and at the end presents the excuse of, I didn't know that I have to do this, again, it goes against And this is one of the most important topics that we as Muslims are supposed to learn about. Because marital life is the foundation of the peace in the world, not just within a family. Marital life is a foundation of the peace in the world. There is not no possibility of having a peaceful life in the world if we do not know how to keep the peace of mind in our homes. If we do not have peaceful homes, the homes where we can find love, where we can go and have rest, where we can have peace of mind, where we can find a place where we look forward to go to, after being tired, exhausted, attacked from every corner, you know, I can go home and relax and be at peace. If we don't have those type of homes, then you will not find peace of mind anywhere else in the world. It will be just a chaos in the world. And this is generally what you see around us everywhere. Where people, they do not find peace of mind in the homes, and therefore everything else in the life is disturbed. Everything else gets disturbed in the life. It was during the time of, I think, Mahmoud al-Rashid, he had the habit of taking rounds at night time. One day as he's taking rounds, and he passes by one of the masayid where Salat al-Fajr was going on. And he had his guards and everything with him, they kept on moving. The others didn't pay attention to what he noticed. Later on in the day, he sent someone to go and call the Imam. When the Imam came, he gave him some big gift. He said, this is something for you. Then he said to him, tell me, what problem do you have? You are going through some difficult time in your life. He said, yes, my wife is pregnant and she is in her labor. I don't have anyone to help and I could not afford anyone to come and support her in that type of situation. And we are going through some difficult financial situation in our home. So he explained his financial difficulty and the difficulty that he was having at home. Mahmoud Rashid said, this is why I chose to give you this gift. And the reason I found that out, today in Salat al-Fajr you were making mistakes. And normally when I pass by your question, I know that you're a good house. You don't make any mistakes. His Salah was disturbed because of the difficulty in having it. And we know that when we have that type of situation, you are in Rukur, but you are thinking about that situation. It's a June and you can't even 
You are standing before Allah, Alhamdulillah, you have been but you don't know what it is to talk about. So, that is very important. And learning about this topic is extremely important. We all get into that type of situation. A person gets married, doesn't know a single ayah of Quran about marital life. A person is married, you this person, is there anything in Quran about the husband and wife? And about the rule of a husband and the rule of a wife? About parenting? About how to be good parents? Doesn't know. Goes blank. Doesn't know. As if there is nothing about it in our deen. SubhanAllah. And you are in this type of life for last 10 years, 15 years. You are a husband, you are a wife. And you don't know a single ayah or a single hadith. How are you treating your partner according to the deen of Allah subhanahu How do you know that you are treating him or her fairly? How do you know that you are fulfilling your responsibility? How do I know I'm not making mistakes? I'm not hurting the other person. What are the teachings of our deen about this? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced a family life, He stand with Adam and Hawa alayhi wasallam. And subhanAllah, when you look at the beginning of the creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create Adam and Hawa and then give them children just from having Adam and Hawa. Rather, first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salatu and allowed Adam to live for some time and then he created Hawa now, Adam and Hawa are the first people that are into the existence, first human beings. That tells us the first relation that was established between human beings in this world was the relation of a husband and wife, is not the relation of parents and children. The first relation was husband and wife. The first relation is Adam and Hawa. That tells us the importance of having that life where a man needs a woman in his life. And a woman needs a husband in her life. This is Adam and Hawa. From there they started having children. Children are the result of that first relation. Remember, we start with that relation. Our true life of responsibilities start from the time a person gets married. He gets serious about his responsibilities. I have to earn. I have to work. I have to get on my feet. I have to find a solid job. I have to find a home. And before that, parents have been telling him that, you know, you live with us. Make sure you take part in the running of the house and cleaning at least. If you don't pitch in financially, at least do something uh, in supporting this house. He doesn't want to take no responsibilities. 
want to run around with friends, wasting time here and there, partying out, doesn't have no time to do anything at the house. As soon as he gets married, now he says, I need my own home. But you never even clean your room here. Go and check your room right now. There, your clothes are all over the room. There are wrappers everywhere in the room. Room is dirty. You don't take your garbage out. Your mother has to clean it. Now you want the whole house by yourself. You say, yeah, I can do it. This is when the person starts taking on responsibilities. And when we look at the reality of our life, we will realize just as our life starts as a husband and wife, as a family life, true strong life as a husband and wife, when we take family very seriously, at the end, our relation, that is the strongest relation, is also the relation of husband and wife. Because you see those now who are in their 60s and 70s, in their 20s or 30s, they got married, it was just the husband and wife. They got children, children grown up, now they got their educations, they got married, they're more moved out. Who's left in the house now? The husband and wife. This is where you stand from, this is where you are behind. And now all the children are on their own. Difficult for children to stay with parents now. We can't handle it anymore. We want to move out. Let husband and wife, let father and mother deal with themselves, with each other. But I can't be in this house. So at the end, again, we are just a husband. Tells us this strong bond that we have over here. This is a very strong connection of a husband and wife. And in between that period, for those people who haven't learned the importance of this bond, the importance of this relation, they keep on fighting because of children and they always threaten to break away because of children. This is because of lack of education and understanding. Otherwise, these children, after 10-15 years, are going to move out. At the end, both of you will be seen in this house. You are not to fight because of those things. You are to strengthen your bone and strengthen your connection on how to take care of these situations. How to raise children together with a good and mutual understanding rather than fighting about it. Because this fighting, if it will cause you a situation where you break apart from each other, at the end, when children are gone away, now you just sit and wonder, why did I do all of that for? Because no one, even my daughter, that I took divorce because of her, she doesn't want to stay with me. My son, because of whom I left my wife, doesn't want to stay with me. If there is a person that will stay with you, it's that bond that Allah has created as a husband and wife. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces this relation in Quran, the relation of husband and wife, what does he say? وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنْفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا it is of the signs of Allah subhanAllah when he is mentioning the major signs of the existence and the greatness of Allah. One of 
those great signs of Allah in this universe is out of his great signs that he is specifically mentioning in his book, in his Quran, when he's counting the major signs. Creation of the heaven and the earth. He's talking about those big signs. He says, one of those signs, one of his signs is, that he created your spouses from within your souls. Human beings do not marry jinns. Human beings do not marry shayateen. He created your spouses from within your souls. And he created love and mercy between the two. He created what? Why did he create your spouse for you? So that you have sukoon, you have peace of mind with each other. Subhanallah. Look at the introduction of a family life in Islam. That family life is supposed to be a type of relation where you find sukoon there. Do you understand sukoon? You know when you study the vowels of Arabic language, there is fatha, there is kasra, there is dhamma, and there is sukoon. What is sukoon? Is the absence of fatha, kasra, and dhamma. When there is no fatha, no kasra, and no dhamma. What do we call fatha, kasra, and dhamma? We call haraka. The opposite of haraka is sukoon. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces a beautiful family to us saying that a beautiful family is when there is no haraka, which means there is no fight, no argument, there is always peace of mind, there is sukoon. It's not about Fatha, Kasra, and Dhamma, ups and downs. Fatha, Dhamma, up, Kasra is down. You don't go up and down, let's keep it small. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً You know what? A brother told me, he said, you know, in our culture, back home, people are not too civilized. See how civilized people are over here. You get stuck in the traffic. You don't see people going from the sidewalk or driving on the sidewalk or driving on the shoulder or even honking the horns of the car. They just sit, relax, you know, they wait until the car ahead of them moves and then in our countries, as soon as there is some traffic, a little traffic, people will start honking the horns, move, move, move. He said, see how civilized they are. I said, well, there is another difference also. Maybe, maybe what you're saying is true, but I see that there is another difference also. In our culture, our homes are sukoon, alhamdulillah. So the person, when he's on the road, there is haraka. He is not at peace. He wants to go at the place of sukoon. But in this culture, you are on the road, you have sukoon. As you go home, there is haraka there. There is fatha kazra and dhamma out there. So you say, you know, better stay in the sukoon. You tell the car ahead of you, please don't move. I'm going to call my wife and tell her that the traffic is. I was stuck in the traffic. And the traffic is not moving. And I hope it doesn't move. This is the difference. 
When there is sukoon in the house, a person looks forward to go back. When there is no sukoon in the house, the person looks for ways to stay away from the house. A lot of times there is a complaint that he or she does not like to stay home. Make it a place of sukoon and he and she will love to stay home. But when there is no sukoon over there, a person will find sukoon with, 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 with friends, with co-workers, but doesn't find it at home. Of course he's going to try to find a way to sukoon. It's not to use it as an excuse, but I'm saying this is something where we need to consider our situation in our homes, how to make it a place of peace of mind. This is what Allah is saying in the Quran, that your homes should be the place where you get the peace of mind. A woman went to a shaykh saying that, you know, I have a major problem in my life. I got so many people involved and so much counseling, nothing helped. What's the problem? He says, every time husband comes home, Within no time, we start to fight and he beats me up. He gets physical also. Tell me something I can do. Sheikh, give me something to read. So he said, yeah, yeah. I have a very, very strong dua for this. Inshallah, your husband will never touch you again. I have a strong dua for this. So he has water and he recites something. He blows it onto the water. He says, now, what I have drawn into the water is very powerful dua. After this amal that you would perform, your husband will never touch you. Now, the method of using this water is, you take it home, make sure you don't swallow it, because what I am reciting is very powerful. So every time, the time when your husband comes, you see the door is opening, your husband coming in, take a sip of the water. And keep it in your mouth for five minutes. Don't swallow it. After one week, she comes back home. She says, MashaAllah, Shaykh, what dua, the dua you recited was very powerful. That dua was really powerful dua. I have done so many counseling, so much uh, treatment, and all of that before. Nothing worked. But this dua really worked. What did you recite? It was just to keep you from speaking, from talking when he comes home. Then let him say whatever he wants. So now the husband comes home and she has the water in her mouth. And he says, yeah, you're saying way again. You didn't do this, you didn't do this. The water is in the mouth. She's not supposed to swallow the water. It's very, it's going to harm her. She has to keep it, she has to keep it five minutes. Now he's wondering, what happened? She's not talking back. How come you don't speak? And of course, when he doesn't when she doesn't speak back, he doesn't hit her. Doesn't get worse. Now by the time she spits the water out, he has cooled down. And now they said, I talk. This is exactly what that sukun is. That many times we don't understand each other. We don't understand each other. The husband doesn't realize that she has been waiting for me for eight hours. 
And when I go home, she's expecting something from me. We don't realize that she was staying home, she was preparing the food, she was cleaning the house. And we go over there, we don't command her for anything good she has done. We look for defaults and we pick up on those things. Oh, look, 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 see there is some dirt over there. And you know, that thing is not that clean and the food is not, it doesn't have enough spices in it or it's not cooked properly. After eight hours and be putting all of her time in waiting for you, preparing these things for you, because this is what she was waiting to hear from you. And she doesn't realize that he was working hard eight hours, not for himself, to take care of the family. This was so that he can take care of all of our needs. He can uh, fulfill his responsibilities towards us. And maybe he's going through so many difficulties at, at work. And sometimes the boss says something to him. And sometimes the co-workers are giving him a look. Or someone comes and speaks back to him. Or work is very tiring. And they're demanding more and more from him. And he comes home and he's exhausted and tired. And he walks as soon as he comes. Did you bring this? Did you bring this? Did you bring this? And he's not ready to hear none of that anymore after those eight hours hearing it from all the other people. We need to understand. I'm not saying these are excuses, but we need to understand each other's situation. That's the important part. We need to understand what the other person is going through. Don't look at what you have done. Look at what the other person has done and what they are going through. Try to understand each other. If this will work from both sides, you have a peace of mind. Rasulullah From the time he built his masjid in Medina Munawwah, we know he never missed the atikaf. He never missed the atikaf in his masjid. Every year he would do the atikaf of the last 10 days of Ramadan. One of the years he did, the first year he did the atikaf of all 30 days. After that, every year he would do the atikaf of the last 10 days of Ramadan. One of the years, Rasulullah missed the atikaf. It was only one year. And in reality, he didn't miss it. He started the atikah, then he broke his atikah and came out. What is the reason? Rasulullah first thing, so we can understand and picture what we are talking about. If you remember the masjid of Rasulullah he's standing in the mihrab there, on his left hand side, is the house of Aisha radiallahu anha, where his rawdah is right now. On the left hand side, is the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. The door of Aisha radiallahu's house opens into the masjid. So when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was standing there, Aisha radiallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, if I have a also with you, and I'm going to just put a curtain around my door over there, so I'll just stay in that corner of the house, of the masjid. So I will be just at the doorstep of my house. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, fine, you can do that. Um Salaba radiallahu anha finds out that Aisha radiallahu anha gets a permission to do that ikaf. Then Zainab radiallahu anha finds out that okay, Um Salaba and Aisha radiallahu anha are doing that ikaf. By the morning when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes out of his muataka place of that ikaf, his small tent that was in the corner in the front corner of the masjid, he comes out of this line of tents over there. You see? Whose tents are these? Said. Azwajuka ya Rasulullah. These are your wives, ya Rasulullah. I said, what? Only Aisha has permission. 
Where did the rest of them come from? Now, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just think about it. What choices does he have? And put yourself into that situation. Where are you, Who told you to come? You never asked me for permission. Yes, she asked for permission, but she never asked for permission. You should talk to me first. Now the reaction is, Aisha, you need to go too. And everyone else has to go. What will be the feeling of Aisha that because of these, I had to leave? What did Rasulullah He said, take out my tent. He doesn't go to any of them, doesn't talk to none of them. He says, take my tent out. I'm not doing Atika. I'm going home. He picked up his tent and he went home. Aisha finds out, Prophet is in the house. Why I'm doing this take for if my husband is in the house? If he's in the house, I have no reason of staying in the masjid. She picks up her tent and she went to the house. All the other wives go. Prophet and Aisha both of them left. Their tents are gone. They all pick up their tents and they left. Rasulullah didn't tell them you leave. He just left himself. And they all left behind him. Next year, Rasulullah he learned his lesson from that first year. He said, from now on, any woman who wants to do as a cat, do it at your home. But in this way, Rasulullah see how he took care of the feelings of all of those of his wives. That he didn't stay, say to the other ones, you can't do that. Because I give permission only to Aisha. They will feel that. He didn't say to Aisha, anha, that you can't do it because now they want to do it also. So I'm, uh, 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 I'm taking away the permission that I took from, uh, that I gave you, and you have to, you have to leave. She would feel bad about these ones, and she will have bad feeling for them. Rasulullah thought it would be best that I leave my. And this way, they all left. And now next year, I'm not going to give a permission to any of them. Beautiful way of taking care of these situations where the point is you take care of others' feelings. This is where we need to realize and understand. Where you take care of other people's feelings. You understand their feelings. You stand for them. You care for their feelings. It's not about, I don't care what you have to go through. I don't care what you're going through. You have to look at my situation. No one had a harder life in this world more than Rasulullah You know Rasulullah the difficulties he was going through every day. Every day. Sometimes after immigration. Sahaba Ridwanullahi tell us, till the eighth year, eighth year of the Hijrah, which means only two years before he passed away. We used to sleep while our weapons are in our hands. We used to sleep with our weapons in our hands that we could be attacked by our enemies at any time. Until Fath Makkah, until that time, we couldn't sleep with peace of mind. And the main attack was on who? Rasulullah Even in that type of situation. And sometime now, so the attack is from outside. And every sometime, uh, we hear the news that Ghassan is preparing an army. Romans are preparing the army. Persians have sent a delegation. These are the superpowers of the time. The Persian Empire have sent a delegation to Medina saying that we are sent to take you to our king. He said, if you don't come, he's going to send an army by which you will destroy each and every brick of your town. 
and each and every living being that lives in this town will be taken as a slave. So you better come with us to our king. Imagine with that type of situation. Under what a stress Rasulullah was living. Then you have Munafiqeen around you over there. You have different tribes of you know, Jewish tribe around you over there. I mean, you are going through situations day and night. And any dispute, any differences between any two people, any two uh, communities, they all come with their complaints and with their problems to Rasulullah So has to deal with all of that in addition to try to educate people about the deen that he was sent with and trying to educate the Sahaba about their ibadat, about their deen, and about the Quran, and about all the details of what they're supposed to be doing and not doing. Mention the stress that he's living there. And yet, when he goes home, he puts all of that aside. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we don't find a single situation when he went home and he started yelling at his wife and saying, using this as a reason and excuse that you don't know what I'm going through outside there. And this is you don't talk to me. Let me just have my own life. Never. Not a single instance of his life. In fact, Ummahat al-Umineen tell us, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he used to come home, we didn't find anyone more cherishing and smiling than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There are Sahaba who tell us, we haven't seen anyone, anyone, more smiling than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Every time I saw him, he smiled. He didn't say no to him, going through a lot of No. That smile, he didn't lose his smile. Because it's not you, that gave him that stress. Why should I take it out on you? If I can't handle it with those that are giving me that stress, then let, let's not bring that stress to other people that are kind to me, that are nice to me, and that are trying to help me. Our problem is, we take all the world, world's problem into our home, and this is where you offload it on your wife, on your children. And many times our children are the main target. You know, you just sit down, you don't talk, you do this, you do this. Why? Nothing wrong that the child has done, but it's all the stress that we took with us from outside of the house. And we couldn't take it out there, now we are taking it out there. And we are the people that know the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, khayrukum khayrukum li ahdihi wa ana khayrukum the best out of you, the best out of you are those who are the, the best to their families. Subhanallah, Abu Bakr is sitting there, Umar is sitting there, Umar uh, Uthman is sitting there, Ali is there. All the Sahaba are there. And Rasulullah is telling them, who know, do you know who is the best out of you? Do you know who is the best out of you? Subhanallah, when you're sitting with that view, that caliber of people, people like Sahaba, and you want to tell them who is the I would think he would say the one who spends the whole night in Qiyamul Bayn, or the person who finishes one Quran every night, or the person who fasts every day, or who gives all of his wealth in Salatah. They have people of those caliber over there. But he says, no, no, no. The best out of you are are those who are the best to their families. And it doesn't stop there. It does not end there. 
the next part of the hadith is even more powerful than this part. What is that? He presents a challenge now to them. I'm the best out of all of you to my family. Which means, he's telling them, he's challenging them. Find me one person out of all of you here who treats his wife better than I treat my wife. Find me one person. And not a single person. Can any of us really today stand up and say, and our wife will support that claim while she's here, not while she's not here. And our wife can support that claim that really, mashallah. Of course, with this, we need to understand this. Differences between husband and wife. They are part of the life. Sometimes we live in a dream world. And especially in today's time. Remember, there wasn't any time in the history when people were living in a dream world more than it is in our time. In today's time, majority of the people are living in a dream world. You know why? Because we always, we got used to watching movies and seeing all the advertisements out there, the way it's being presented, that you know this couple they are now at that uh, they are in that country now they're in Switzerland then they're in Italy they are on the mountains they are on the hills now they are in the oceans now they are in the falls now they're in the boat and they're enjoying themselves show me one couple that is really living that way it's just a dream world through that, they make us feel, when I get married, I'm going to get a wife, and this is what we will do. And then, after a month or two, you go home, and she says, you know what? Today you woke up late, and you didn't do this, 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 this. What? I thought I'd come home, and then we are going to just have a nice dining table set up for me, and you will come your cake, and and allow me to take pull of my own shoes off. You will come and take my shoes off, and we will sit together. And there will be candles. Subhanallah. You know, in all these, we used to have candles. Then we got started having lights, and now we still like to have candles. And you know, we have that nice environment where we enjoy our dinner. But what I'm seeing here is totally different world. See, the other people. That's only a dream world. No one has that. Anymore. Inshallah, Inshallah, better than that. You know, we as a man, we have to understand one thing. And a lot of times people really don't understand it. Why Allah talks about hurting in Quran. And with so much description of the hur, it surprises people sometimes. Oh, why there is so much description of hur in Jannah? It's to tell you that don't dream that over here. One day you will get it over there. Don't lose it. Don't lose all of that because of the haram in this world. You are having it. But in this world, you have to live with the realities of this dunya. You have to live with the realities of this dunya. Allah pointed out this reality in Quran. When he said, وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Pay attention now to the two words that Allah used. And he created love and Rahmah, mercy between the two of you. 
love and kindness, mercy between the two of you. In the initial days of marriage, there is love. In the dream world, you want to live with that love for the rest of your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, remember, it is not just love. There is another part to it also. There has to be the part of rahmah, mercy. As we get older, a time comes when that love is out. You don't want that type of life anymore, you know, loving words and loving environment. And that's, I'm too old for that now. And I'm too busy for that now. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if that love is not there anymore, don't forget the rahmah between you. Don't forget the kindness. What normally happens with us is that we do, when we lose the love, and it's natural, after some time, that's going to go down. You see, the, you have the temperature in the room, and the thermostat will show you the temperature, it goes up and it goes down. Same thing, this temperature is going to go up and down. It's not going to just stick there to one level. It will keep on changing. But when that temperature of the of the love moves up and down, and at the time when you see that don't have that feeling, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, make sure that rahmah is there, that you have mercy on each other, that this your partner of your life, they help you, she helped you, he helped you for the longest time of your life. She helped you in the difficulty. When everyone else closed their doors on you, she opened your, uh, the door for you. She stood with you. She smiled to you. She fed you. She helped you. Now don't forget to have rahmah on her when she is in the situation of needing the rahmah. Have rahmah and mercy. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith which is in the Sahih mentioned about a person who fed a thirsty dog. In one hadith he talked about a man, in another hadith he talked about a woman who fed a thirsty dog. And when he talked about the woman, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that this woman was a very bad woman. When she fed the thirsty dog, Allah appreciated. And look, if you remember the hadith, what does the hadith say? That when she saw that thirsty dog, she took her scarf off and she took her shoe off. She used the scarf as a, uh, as a rope for the shoe and she tied the shoe with the scarf and she puts it down in the well, filled the shoe with the water and she gives that shoe to the dog so he can drink water from her shoe. When she offered that water to the dog, in what? In her shoe. Pay attention to the wordings of the hadith. Allah appreciated. Allah appreciated what she did for the dog. And therefore, she was forgiven for all of her past and she was guaranteed the Jannah. SubhanAllah. For giving water to a thirsty dog in her shoe. How many times our wives have given us water in a clean glass? Not in her shoe. Gave you a good smile at a time when you were tired. When you were at a situation where you were down, you could not feel that you would do anything with your life. And that's the time when she supported you, she stood for you. Same thing from the other side. Just appreciating that one situation will stop you from saying anything bad to her and to them. This is appreciation that our deed is teaching us. 
He created love and mercy between the two of you. Deal each other with, with, with each other with love. And when you don't have that feeling of love, don't forget the Rahman. Especially in the old age. In the old age. They both are in need of Rahman from each other. You know, he needs someone to support him to get up. She needs someone to support him to stand up. They both need Rahman. They both need mercy. And this is who they will be getting that Rahman from each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is how we are supposed to be dealing with each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this bone that we have, the bone of the husband and wife, made it the pillar of the structure of this world. This is the main pillar of the structure of the world. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam discouraged us from having any type of arguments in our homes. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, every day, every day, shaitan places his throne, his arsh on the water and he invites all the shayateen come and give me the report of your achievement of the day. They all go there. They all go to this Iblis, their leader, and instead giving their reports. Okay, line up. The whole line is there. Iblis is sitting on his arsh, on the water, and he, they keep on giving, I made a person miss a salah. Good, okay, go. I made a person eat haram. Okay, good. I made a person do this, do this, do this, do this. They come with all kinds of sins. Me, minor and major sins. And then there is a person, one of these shayateen in the line, that is standing in the line. He comes and he says, I made husband and wife argue and fight. He please gets up and he hugs him. He says, Anta, Anta, you are the right person. You are, what would you say? You are the true shaytan. You are the true shaytan that you made the husband and wife fight. He gets the certificate of being a good shaitan. And you know what? Have you seen that good shaitan in your life? There are so many around today. In today's day and age, there are so many of those shaitan, even in the form of a human being. As soon as they find out that there is some dispute going on in a family, mother and wife, right away they will come. You know, we are, we are here to support you. I heard that your husband is not treating you well. I heard you did it. You better make a report of it. You know, call the police. At least make a report. At least get a lawyer and get his opinion about what you should do. These are the shayateen. That if they will stand in their line, shaitan will stand up. At least will stand up and hug them. Rather than saying, Ittaqillah. This is the Quran. When Zayd radiallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, me and my wife, Zainab, are not getting along. Fall onto your wife and fear Allah. Although he was informed through the wahi that they will not live together for long. He will divorce her. He will divorce her. And yet, that's the part of the counseling. That's the part of helping. No, no. Hold your wife, hold on to your wife and fear Allah. And today's shayateen, even if the person is not even thinking about that direction, no, at least you know you should at least have a documented. At least write everything. Save this information. You will need it in future. Teaching people how to fight. Teaching people how to break apart. Teaching people how to get a divorce. And after 
this man or this wife will get a divorce, all of those shayateen will disappear and will find it. Now you deal with it your own. In fact, they will go back in many situations. In counseling, I have seen myself. After some time, they go out and start talking. Oh yeah, there was no need for her to take a divorce and she still decided to, to get divorced. What type of wild woman she was. Subhanallah, you were the one who put her in that situation. Now you are not standing, willing to stand for her. And after maybe some time she will come back to you and she says, you know, your husband is doing the same thing to you. Why don't you work? No, 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 no. Because of my children, I can't. You didn't you care about her children? These are shayateen. These are the shayateen of the ends. I would say differences in a family is something that is bound to happen. When there are two people living in a house, they will have to their own temper. They will have their own feelings. Each person is going to convey his feelings, his temper, his method of understanding, his opinion in different ways, in different ways, in different methods. Sometimes you're upset, sometimes she's upset. We have to understand that this is part of the life. As I said, it's not a dream world where no, there's no time that any person is upset. And you're always just hearing beautiful words. And every time you enter home, there are flowers showering on you. And then you smell so much fragrance. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says to Aisha radiallahu anha, Aisha, I know when you are upset with me. What do you mean? I, ya Aisha, I know when you are upset with me. In fact, this reminds me of another beautiful hadith. Aisha radiallahu anha had some difference with men, some back and forth with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, okay Aisha, you know what? I don't think we can solve it between the two of us. How about I call Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah to uh, make a decision? He says, no, he's your Sahabi, he's not my Sahabi. He's going to favor you. Okay. How about I call Umar? You know, he's strong in the hub. No, I'm scared of Umar. I don't want Umar. So who do you want? Aisha. And she's quiet. So Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who she wants. Aisha, how about then Abu Bakr? Who's Abu Bakr? Her father. She said, okay, I'm ready. And Abu Bakr comes. Abu Bakr comes and Rasulullah tells him that you know this is what was going on between the two of us. And I said Abu Ubaidah and Omar and finally she agreed that if whatever decision you make. So I agree with her also. Okay Abu Bakr, you make the decision. And Abu Bakr's eyes are turning red. His face is red. Why? Is he favoring his daughter? No. He's saying, how dare you argue with the Prophet ﷺ and you don't listen to him. And he is about to go and get her. And Rasulullah ﷺ came between and said, no, 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 Abu Bakr, this is not counseling. This is not the way of counseling. Okay, Abu Bakr, that's okay. We don't need anyone between us. I'm going to solve it with her, Abu Bakr. Don't worry, you can, you can go. And then Abu Bakr left. Rasulullah says to Aisha, see how I saved you? And now the bad are together. So, imagine how he's treating his wife. So, in this situation, Rasulullah says to Aisha, 
I can tell when you are upset with me. Now imagine a person like that. You know, I'm sheikh and everyone respects me and you are the only one who doesn't respect me. And you are upset with me. That will be a big sin on you. Prophet is not like no fatwas on her. That you are upset with the Prophet of Allah and you, and you lose all the blessings and all the rewards and all the rahmah. Allah is going to have mercy on you and the door of Jannah will be closed. No, no, no. Aisha, I can figure out when you're upset with me. And he's smiling. She said, okay, Rasulullah, tell me, how do you figure it out? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when you are happy with me and we are talking and having good conversation, you say, la wa rabbi Muhammad. You take oath, I swear by the Lord of Muhammad. And when you are upset, you say, la wa rabbi Ibrahim. I swear by the Lord of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Aisha radiallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, I can tell you now one thing, one secret of my life, something that I have in my heart, I know I do intentionally. I swear, I just changed the name. I just don't pronounce your name at that time. Otherwise, your love is always in, in, in my heart, even at that time. Look at this beautiful conversation going on. The hell that is going on in this family. This is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam well known hadith of Rasulullah when he came out of his home and it is the afternoon time in Medina Munawwara it's a hot day no one is out during that time what brings Rasulullah out he's standing out Abu Bakr radiallahu comes there he says Abu Bakr why did you come out at this time of the day? It's too hot. You need to be at home. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I was very hungry. Didn't have anything to eat for days. So I said, I couldn't even rest. I said, let me go and see if I can find something to eat. But what brings you out, Ya Rasulullah? He said, the same thing that brought you out, brought me out too. I was also hungry. Didn't have anything to eat. And standing there, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu arrives. I'm sure we heard this portion of the hadith. Umar radiallahu arrives. What brings you, Umar? I was hungry. Had nothing to eat for some days. And what about you and Abu Bakr? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the same thing brought us also out. Let's go to a sahabi whose name was Abu Haytham ibn Taytan radiallahu Normally when we talk about this hadith, we stop at this portion. And we say three greatest people in the world at that time are standing in the heat of Medina Munawwara hungry. But continue the hadith. See what the remaining of the hadith say. Where did they go? They went to the Sahabi's house, Abu Haytham ibn Taytan. When they went and knocked at his door, his wife answered the door. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked where the husband was. She said, He went to get some sweet water press. There was a water, or there was a well of the water away from their home. He went to get the sweet water from the well. When he came back, he saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr and Umar in the house. MashaAllah. He's so happy. The luckiest day of my life. Ya Rasulullah, you are most, most so welcome. What brings you? And he told him the whole situation. He said, okay, sit down, Ya Rasulullah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa knows that he's so happy. He's going to go and start slaughtering all of his goats or something. He said, make sure that you don't slaughter any big goat, just a small one. And just bring some dates. 
he went and brought some things and then he prepared the meal for them and came and presented to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, okay, come. At this time in the afternoon, you went to get the water yourself. You don't have anyone helping you with this. You have such a big farm over here that you work in and then you have to go and do all of this housework also. You don't have someone to help you with it. He said, no, ya Rasulullah, I don't have anyone. He said, okay, sometime we get some of those slaves that we can have them, we distribute them to the different uh, homes in Medina Munawwara. So if you hear me having one of those, come and talk to me, so I'll give you one of those. And this is another topic, I don't want to change the topic and get into that topic of the word slave in Islam, which is, has a totally different concept than the concept that generally people will use the word for. In fact, I would suggest at least our time won't allow us to go away and deviate to the, from this topic that we are talking about, but study this topic in the light of our in the light of the Quran and the Sunnah, and you will see that even in today's time, even in today's time, if people will understand the concept of slavery that we use the word slavery, I think it will be a wrong word based on how it is being used in today's time. But if that is the right word for it, people will say that. That is the best way, that will be the best way of treating the captives of war in the world, even in today's time. The world, until this day, is not able to present any solution for the prisoners for war, of war better than the solution that Rasulullah has presented. And that is the word, what we call it, slave in Islam. As I said, because of the common word that is being used between what Islam is used as the word for, and between what this culture and world, the world has seen that world is being used for, this is why people start having a lot of objections about it. Anyway, so when you have, when you hear me having one of those, come and talk to me. I will give assign a person to you. After some time, Abu Haytham hears that Rasulullah has some of those people there. So he went to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, you told me when you came home, to come and talk to you when you have one of those. So now you have one of those slaves. If you want to assign one of them to me to do my work. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, okay, we have three over here. Take whoever you like. He said, Ya Rasulullah, you choose the right person for me. He pointed towards one of them and he said, take this person because he's a good man. I saw him doing salah. I saw him doing the salah. He was doing the salah very nicely. So he's a good man. Make sure you take good care of him. Take this bearer on the name of Allah. Abu Haysam takes this person with him. He takes him home and now very, very happily goes to his wife. He says, Listen, we have this man with us who will be like our family member from now on and he's going to help us with this type of work. And Rasulullah told me that's one advice that be kind to him. Be kind to him. So, therefore, just make sure you be kind to him. She stayed quiet. Then she takes her husband on the side. She said, I want to talk to you for a minute. Okay, what do you want to talk about? You told me that Rasulullah said he's a good man and he advised us that we need to be kind to him. We are human beings after all. I don't think we can really fulfill that order of Rasulullah Sometimes we are upset. Sometimes we are in a different mood. Sometimes we are not too happy. Sometimes he may make a mistake. And Prophet told us to be kind to him. We may not be able to fulfill that order of 
Therefore, my suggestion is that you send the person. Let him go. It makes sense. And I don't want to make that mistake either. Where we would be opposing the order of Rasulullah. So he goes to this man and says, You know, you are freely wajillah, go and do whatever you want. Let me take you back to Rasulullah and let him know that witness that you are free. He goes there, he tells Rasulullah. So I said, What happened? You needed someone to help you. Yeah, Rasulullah, yes. But when I told my wife, this is what you said, this was her advice. Rasulullah at that point said, What a beautiful gift from Allah it is for a pious man to have a pious wife. That she helps him whenever he needs a help. And she pleases him whenever he looks at her. And when he's absent, she takes care of all of his longings. SubhanAllah. This is a woman who advised her wife. He accepted that advice from his wife. In today's time, we only, many of us, we just remember a hadith. Those who remember any hadith, when it comes to marital life, they say, Those are the only hadith that we remember. And unfortunately, I have to advise myself and everyone here that we use this hadith at a time when one of the two is upset. It's really, it's really totally unjust for us to use it in that type of situation. In fact, very dangerous. Because especially if your wife is upset and you use something like this, he would say something against those words. He's saying a word against the hadith of Rasulullah. You made her do that. Don't use these type of things as an excuse of hurting your feelings. Rasulullah when he used these words, he used them really to, if you look at the background of the hadith, and of course I don't want to go into that topic either right now, rights of women in Islam, we are just talking about the mutual understanding right now, that Rasulullah when he used these words, he used it so that we take care of them, is not to look down at them. When he said that a woman is created from a twisted rib, what did he say? He said, don't try to straighten it all the time because you're going to break it. Which means when you see faults in your wife, don't try to. Don't just keep on picking on her all the time. Oh, you did this wrong, did this wrong, this did this, this is wrong. Don't pick on those things. Let it be the way it is. And this is how you have to learn how to live with it. His teaching is how to live with it. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran. SubhanAllah. An amazing ayah of Quran that talks about the relation of husband and wife. Live with them in a very well-recognized, beautiful manner. What is ma'roof? Ma'roof in you do something good in your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, live with your life in a very recognized and a good manner. Who's advising us? Who's ordering us to live that way? Rabbul Alameen subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the question may come to in many people's minds. How about if I don't like her? How about if she's doing so many wrong things? And I don't like those, those things. You know? We were in Hajj. And I'm telling you something that I personally went through. We came back from 
Muzdalifah. Those of you who have performed Hajj, you may remember, you know when you go to Mina first, you rest. Five prayers in Mina, and then comes the real time of the Hajj. When you really get exhausted, tired, and that's the period when you see people fight and argue anyway. So you go to Arafah. That's now in the afternoon from Zuhur till Maghrib. You have to be standing making dua, or even if you sit and lay down, it means that's the time of ibadah. Then from there, without even resting, you go to Muzdarifah. You spend the night over there. Next day you come, you have to do the Rabi. Then you come to your tent. So by the time you come to the tent, you are just ready to fall on your bed and have some rest. You are exhausted, tired. You don't, I am not in the mood of getting into any type of conversation or anything else. We came back from Muzdalifah. And after morning, we are in our tent. I went and I laid down. And I knew that if there is anything here, in the, uh, people will have questions. Because now, everyone is looking, where is the shit? You know, I did this wrong, did this wrong. And I want to just pretend I'm sleeping. So I take my sheet on my head and my eyes are closed. And I hear a big noise on the side of the now there is some something is going on. And I just looked around, okay, there are a few people standing there and having some argument. I'm hearing the argument, but pretending I'm sleeping. The man, the person who was really on one side, and there was a group of people on the other side. Now, this person says, here, let me go and talk to the sheikh and see what he says about it. I really don't want to get involved in this type of situation. I need to stay out of it. And I'm not even moving. And he comes and he pulls my sheet. He says, Sheikh, 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 we have an important question. Get up. I said, okay, what happened? And I heard everything that was happening. You know what was happening? This man is about 75 years old. From New York City. I'm even telling you, but you don't know the person. So no, I'm just telling you. MashaAllah, good businessman. Well-to-do person. This is a person who comes back home and he is coming back. On the way when they came on the bus and they're walking to the tent, they got into this discussion that, you know, you go to Jannah and mashallah, you know. So one of the brothers is giving them a good advice. You know, you go to Jannah and inshallah, you know, for all the hard work that we did today, you get this, you get this, and you get your food. And mashallah, your wife will be one of your fools. And this old man... He's out of his mind. He says, don't tell me that. And this is where the argument is, no, she's not coming in my part of the Jannah. Believe me, as I said, I'm laying down and I was hearing, overhearing all of that. And he says, no way, I'm not laying down in my part of the Jannah. You're telling me what? And the argument is going on. So he comes and he pulls me out. He says, yeah, these people are saying that you know the wives that we have in this dunya, they will be with us in Jannah. <laughs> I have to tell him the truth. So I said, yes. But remember, you know, it won't be with this type of behavior that we have in this world. And I'm trying to give him the explanation and all of that. And he's the old man, 75 years old. He doesn't he's not in the mood of hearing it. He says, do you think I did all of this just to get her back? The point is, these type of differences, the living with the differences is something that we need to learn. Allah says, treat them in fair manner, in a good manner. 
Subhanallah, look at the next part of the ayah because as this one I was saying, the question will come to our mind, what if I don't like her? If you dislike your wife, فَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا You may be disliking something in which Allah has placed a lot of khayr. What? A lot of khayr in your wife, even in the wife that you don't like. Imagine if it is a wife that you like. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Allah will put a lot of khayr. What could be better than this to say that our women are khayr for us, are a blessing for us? It's a source of khayr. It's in every case, it's a source of khayr. وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Not just khayr, khayran kathira. Allah will put a lot of khayr in it. جَسْعَشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعَوْرُونَ Cheat them. In a fair manner, in a good way, and in the best way you can. Rasulullah sitting with the Sahaba Ridwanullah in his masjid. Sahaba Ridwanullah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amr bin al As radiallahu anhu says that day, the way Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam treated me. I felt that he loves me more than anyone else in the world. And this is how Rasulullah was very soft, very kind. And he used to treat everyone in a very loving manner. So every person used to feel in his gathering that he really likes me. Sa'am bin al-As says, one day, the way Prophet came looking at me, smiling to me. He shook my hand and everything. I thought that he, there is no one that he loves more than he loves me. So now he wants, and he's sure about it the way he was treated. So he wants everyone else to know that also. So in public, in the gathering, he asked Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, who do you love the most, Ya Rasulullah? To surprise. Rasulullah sallallahu says, Aisha. I love Aisha the most. Can an imam dare to sit in public and be asked, who do you love the most and say, I love my wife? People will say, you know what? You're a slave of your woman. And if your parents will hear you, oh, I love my wife the most. That's it, you're done. And your in-laws. And then come the other relatives. Did you really say this? Do you mean it? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says it in public to Aisha. So that Abu al said, I, I didn't get what I wanted from there. So I said, no, no, ya Rasulullah, wa rijal, you still have a hope. He said, no, no, I'm asking about men, ya Rasulullah. Out of men, who do you like the most? He said, Abuha, her father. He doesn't say Abu Bakr. What did he say? Her father. And today you tell people, I really love my father-in-law. I love my father-in-law. And you see what happens to you. People will tell you, you know, you're out of our family. You're, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, you got married with that family, now you become a slave of a family. People say this to their daughters. You know, the mothers advise their daughters. 
Yeah, be kind to your mother-in-law, but don't get too close to her. Don't let her use you. Don't let her manipulate you. Oh yeah, you took too much in her favor. You know, you better stop. Talk in my favor. I'm your mother. Not her. Not her. We advise our children not to be kind to their in-laws. And here Rasulullah says, Abuha, I love her father the most. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's traveling with Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majma'in. And he says to Sahaba, move forward, move forward. Leave me alone behind. So he's alone with his wife, Aisha radiallahu anha. He says to Aisha radiallahu anha, you want to race? Okay, ya Rasulullah, let's go. He said, we're going to race from here to there. And they set us a point where they're going to race up to. The Prophet of Allah is racing with his wife. Imagine the Imam, you see, someday you see the Imam is running and his wife is next to him and she's running. Next day, explanation called to the Imam and fired. What? You you were running with your wife out there. And I accept Rasulullah, he was running with his wife. Aisha says, that day I beat him. After many years, again, we were on a journey. Rasulullah sallallahu said, Aisha, you want to race again? He said, I said, okay, let's go ahead. Sure, let's go. And this time when we raced, Rasulullah sallallahu beat me. He said to me, Aisha, this one makes up for that now. Beat me last time, I beat you this time. We don't know. Maybe even the one that was last time, he intentionally let her be there. So that make her feel good. You do it with the children too. Okay, let's play. And you let them win. But this is the behavior that he's having. The type of life that he's living with his family. That, subhanAllah, there is always a good conversation going on. There is a good environment in the house. Aisha radiallahu anha says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would be sitting with me and we would be eating. And I'm menstruating even during that time. If I'm eating a meal, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will take it from me and he will eat it from the same place where I was eating from. And I would be drinking water. He will take the cup from me and he will drink from the same place where I was drinking. To show his love. That is not, I hate you. I like you only during certain days and I don't like you other days. No. Even in this situation. I'm here. And he shows that concern, that love, that closeness. This is how Rasulullah is making that environment in the house. Creating that beautiful house where there is sukoon in the house. Where there is peace of mind. You know, a lot of us. As men, we remember the ayah. We read it. And then we explain it according to our understanding. What does it mean? What does the word qawwam mean? A person who is in charge. Isn't it? A person who is in charge. You go to a country or you learn, you know about a country where there is a chaos in the country. Where there is no order in the country. Where there is corruption everywhere in the country. Every department there is a corruption. 
Who would you blame? Who generally people will blame in that country? Is it the civilians that are doing all of that? Is it the rovers that are committing all of those crimes? No. It's the people that are in charge. Which means, if it is a kingdom or a prime minister or whoever is responsible, that that person is supposed to take care of these things and not allow these things to take place in the country. Bring the army, bring the police department and take them into account. Just make sure whatever you do, whatever you have to do, to, to make sure that you keep the peace in the country. This is the rule of the government. It's not of the civilians. It's not the general public. The government is responsible for it. And if the government is not able to do it, it's a failure to the government. And they are to be removed and bring someone else who can take care of these things. When Allah is telling us, Men are in charge and responsible. That simply means we are responsible to make sure that the peace of mind will remain in the house. Now, if you go home and you hear things that you don't like to hear, and then you stand back, you stand firing back and creates a fight in the house. Who won? Really the wife won? Because you were supposed to keep the order in the house. You failed to do so. Now there is a big fight in the house. In the recent days, there was a research, and this is a true research that happened, that took place in one of the universities in a Muslim country. Where the topic was how to treat problems. It wasn't mainly about family problems. It was general topic in the university on how to treat problems. One of the young men in the class, he thought that in our family, we always see arguments. Especially father and mother, are, they don't even talk to each other. They just live under the same roof, but they don't like to even see each other's face. Every day we, brothers and sisters, we keep on hearing arguments. So when he studied that topic, a thought came to his mind that let me apply in my home and see how we solve our problems. So he talked to his sister, who was also, uh, had grown up, young lady. So they both started having that discussion and he started talking to his sister and educating her of what he learned in the class about solving problems. And finally both the brother and sister came to a decision based on what they had studied that our father comes with a lot of load of work at home and under a lot of pressure, under a lot of stress. And mother with all the work that she has to do in our house you know, she has to do all of our work. And we are not helping her in any way. So she is also going under a lot of stress. So both the brother and the sister agree that the brother will take care of four responsibilities of his father. And the sister will take care of four responsibilities of her mother. So she said, okay, I will take care of the cleaning of the kitchen, of the dishes, of cleaning, vacuuming the house. And she counts four responsibilities. And he counted four of his responsibilities that he's going to take it up his father. So he says, in one month time, we saw the arguments went much down in our home. We realized that this is really helping us. Keeping the stress down from both of them and helping both of them to take care of the remaining things while we are helping them with these four responsibilities. After that, we thought we'll go to the second level. 
And both the brother and sister, they started studying this further and came to a conclusion, we will tell our parents, go out for a week. We will take care of all our siblings. We will take care of them. You just go and relax. Go somewhere where you don't have any of this pressure and they won't listen. So now they made a plan. If parents will say, no, how about our siblings and how about you people, you can't do all of this. So they prepared answers for all of those things. Finally, long story short, they were able to convince their parents to go out and let some days of stress, out of the stress of this house and we will take care of all of these things uh, during this one week. He says, by the time they came back, we saw a big smile on their faces. And they walked in together. And they are sitting together. They are really happy. They are eating with us. They both are sitting and having cracking jokes with us. And then he says, my father, after the meal, he got up and he hugged me and said, son, may God reward you and bless you. Because I thought I'm working hard to get you married. And to give you a happy life. But I see that you really feel, you made me feel that now I got married. And you gave me a happy life rather than I'm giving you a happy life. This is a home where we all are taking care of each other. Really, this is what we need. That we all need to understand each other. We need to understand what other people are going through. Help each other. This is what the family is all about. Hold each other's hands. And don't push people further away. Don't push people further away. It's not going to help them. A person is slipping and you push the person, he's going to fall down for sure. This is the time when you need to hold the person's hand. This is the time when you need to tell the person, don't worry about it. We will be there. Allah will help you. We will pray for you. We are going to support you. Hold these people's hand at that time. This is when they really need our help. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us those peaceful homes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have that peaceful life in our homes. Where we can see that every person in the house is having sukoon in the house. You know, in even the house in the Arabic language, when Allah talks about a house, Your houses are place of sukoon. And your wives, your wives, your spouses are a source of support. Subhanallah. What a beautiful family, what beautiful families are those. Where your house is a place of support. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you remember, in the early days in Makkah Mukarramah, when he was being troubled from all around, and he walks out, he's trying to give dawah to the people, early days of Islam, he's being pushed, he's being cursed at, people are even throwing trash on him. There is in situations where people came and even spit on his face with ayahs of At the end, Rasulullah comes to Khadija radiallahu anha, where he finds peace of mind. Well, as soon as he comes home, he is relaxed. And he forgets all of those problems that he was going through because the way she is supporting him and she is helping him in, in the house. This is what we need. We need this type of environment in our homes. Our children could be doing wrong. Come and let hold, hold their hands. Don't push them further. Oh, you did this? You can't be my son. Never say that. Oh, you can't be my son if you do this. You know where that come from? Many times the feeling is, I'm just like an angel. I'm like an angel. My son is behaving like a shaitan. And how could a shaitan live in the house of an angel? We don't realize that I'm not an angel. And in reality, he's not a shaitan. 
We both are somewhere in between. And we need to help. We need to stand for each other. We need to support them, especially when you see our children, they are slipping, they are going off the track. That's the time of the you try to open up with them. Let them open up with you. Let them talk to you. Let them express their feelings to you. Let them have someone that they know that will listen to me, will understand me, will stand for me, will support me. It's not someone who will just curse at me, who will close his doors on me, someone who will look down at me. There has to be that environment within our family. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that beautiful environment of our home. May Allah create that love and rahmah in our families that we all as a family live with love and rahmah. And we treat each other with love and rahmah so that we receive the love and rahmah from Rabbul Alameen subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayi khalqi sayyidina wa habibina wa nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. Um, it doesn't have to be related to this specific topic. It could be general. Knowing about halal and haram is different than knowing about each other. For example, in a business, when you are getting into the business, you are learning about the halal and haram of the business, but you don't know all the details of the merchandise that you would be buying. Say I'm buying a box of uh, uh, books. So then I don't know the details. That detail, knowing that detail is not part of the sharia. But knowing if buying the books is halal for me or not and selling this book is halal for me or not, that is part of the sharia. So same thing over here, knowing the rights of husband and wife. This is what is required by the sharia. Now, of course, still we need to answer that part of the question that a person, new couple, that is going to get together and spend a life together, how would they know each other? Wouldn't it be better for them to know each other before marriage so that if they are not, they feel that they don't match, then they are going to just go on their own ways and they don't have to get married. What is a good way to do that? Let me tell you one thing. If we take statistics in reality, you will find that in every society, up to recently, up to the recent time, in every society, marriages were not based on dating. Even in non-Muslim cultures, marriages were not based on dating. For example, you go even to the Mennonites even now, they don't allow it until they are married. So, 
that was not the base of marriages. It is only in recent time that people started getting into this type of system of dating first and then marrying. Now you look with this in mind, look at the statistics. What would you find? The rate of divorce, was it higher in the past or is it higher in our time? You would know it for sure that it is higher in our time as compared to it was in the past. And I'm not saying this from an Islamic point of view at all. I'm saying it this from fully academic point of view. That in all days, the rate of divorce was much lower in all cultures, in all societies. And marriages in all of those cultures were not based on dating system. From the time we changed the system, the rate of divorce went higher, did not go lower. What is the cause of that? The study will tell us the problem here is that because during the period of dating, during the period when we may call it a period of knowing each other, and we like to use good words for it, period of knowing each other, every person is in the mode of impressing the other partner. When you are trying to impress the other person, what happens? the level of expect expectations start going very high. Levels of expectations are high. And now, after some time, you got married, after some time, the reality is static coming in place. Those high temperatures are gone. Everything has gone down to the normal level. Now, she says, didn't you see? Oh, you like going outing and inshallah, once we are married, every week we are in a restaurant and every month we are in another country and I like dressing like this and I like going, walking like this. Oh, I like to, I don't like spending time with friends. I like just enjoying sitting with my family. And once we are married, you will see me with you came nine. Oh, and now she doesn't see me even once in a week time. Uh, you know, you said this, you said this, and you said you're going on a business trip, you said you will take me every time with you. No, no, but this is a business trip. I can't take you there on a business trip. I'm going with friends. But then you say you don't like you know, you're spending time with friends. And uh, See, what the cause of the problem is high expectations that were built because we gave them the time to try to impress each other. Tell me one couple that will be having the period of dating and they are not trying to impress each other. Then what's the benefit of being together? And especially during that period, the person that works with a higher claims is the husband, is the, is the man. Who will, because no man wants, I, I really want this girl. I really want her. For her, many situations, the girl, she's still between okay, if not him, another person, whoever is suitable. For him, regardless of what happens in the world, he is the only one. If I'm not marrying her, then I'm not marrying no one in my life. And he already told his parents that, you know, if you don't get me married, married, married to her, then you will never be able to get me married. And I'm going to do this and do this, and I'll commit a suicide. A person who's ready to commit suicide, what do you think he's not going to say to his wife, this girl who he's trying to impress them? So he builds expectations in her. As I said, she, men and women, both have different mindset, different personalities, 
Women most of the time tries to go by realities. Men most of the time like to go by emotions. Emotions are very high in this young man right now. So he's just his brain is full of emotions. He's not thinking right now. I'll do this for you, I'll do this for you, I'll do this for you. She doesn't find none of that. It is a reality that I'm talking about. Two years down the road, she doesn't find none of those promises to be true. And she says, you lied. You are a liar. And he hears the world from his wife. What? You call me liar? And right there, Shaitan comes to him. So, that period that we are talking about of giving them chance to understand each other really is not a time to understand each other. This is the time to deceive each other. It's better to stand alive with no expectation. This is what our dean teaches us. That you get into that time of marital life with no expectation. Start with zero expectation and build up your life on that now. Now anything and everything you get, you will appreciate. Because you had no expectation. But you stand with high expectations for sure are going to fall down. And once expectations are heard, then people can't live together anymore. That's it. Then you can't live together anymore. So it's always, this is even in a business. We know it. You stare at your work and you let the boss have big expectations and then you are not, you are, you are not capable of doing all of that work. It's always best to tell them, you know, this is what I will do and do more than what you promised. Then sure, yes, you can be, you will be very successful in that job. But if you build higher expectations and come lower after some time, people are going to just not trust you no more. When husband and wife lose the trust from either side, if the trust is gone, that marital life is gone. So we have problem, in fact, we have a major problem with that method of life, with that method of marriage. <clears throat> okay, inshallah, that's next.